Well, good afternoon, church family. Here we find ourselves on another Wednesday. It is April the 14th of 2021, and we're going to be finishing out uh, this section, Sadhi, uh, part number two, God's word is righteous and true. And so before we begin, let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer. Father, as we open up your word uh, this day, Lord, we ask that you would uh, guide our minds, uh, that you would fill our hearts and our soul with your timeless truth so that it may speak uh, into our lives in such a way that it will affect how we think and how we act and, and how we uh, speak. And so, Lord, we just uh, commit this time to you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's begin by rereading this section uh, from the beginning as we take a look uh, and focus particularly on verses 141 through 144 today. It says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. Well, today we're going to be picking up in verse 141. And this is uh, uh, the section that says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Now, I don't know if, if any of you have ever felt small or despised, but uh, I can tell you that it is not a welcomed feeling to feel as though you are insignificant, that uh, you are not worth uh, anything in relation to uh, your your life or the things that you're speaking to. But we're not alone in that uh, feeling of feeling small and despised uh, because uh, David knew what that felt like. And I'm going to be reading out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, starting in verse 42, because when David uh, confronted Goliath, he uh, understood what it meant for someone to think that he was small and to despise who he was. We'll begin reading there in verse 42. It says, And when the Philistine looked at and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And so here Goliath is speaking um, from Goliath's heart uh, and how he sees young David. Uh, and the thing is, is that David could have taken that and, and stepped back and, and, and like much in our culture today, um, made himself out to be the victim or to say that uh, he needed a safe place uh, for him to process all of these things to, you know, you know uh, what Goliath was belittling him in. But notice what David does in response. Verse 45 says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the body, dead bodies 
of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beast on the, of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand." What a stark contrast, because here is King David having a a good response. He didn't let the fact that he was small and that he was ruddy in complexion for that to be a hindrance for him in relation to, uh, you know, speaking truth to Goliath the Philistine. And the thing is, as we think about the, the psalmist here, he says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Well, David was not the only one in Scripture, and there are many other examples, but Jesus also knew what it felt like to be despised and rejected. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, which speaks to what Jesus would go through when he came and offered himself as that sacrifice. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. So here we have two biblical examples, one of, of King David uh, as well as Jesus uh, in relation to them feeling um, despised and rejected, looked down upon because of who they were or what they uh, were bringing forth or what they were speaking in relation to the truth. And the, the, the psalmist here in Psalm 119, 141 says, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. So instead of going to that victim mentality to want to, you know, say, well, you know what, I, I'm just small and insignificant. There's nothing else that, you know, I'm going to be able to do. Uh, and going to the negative end of the realm, you know, that side of the pendulum swing, he says, I am small and despised. So he's acknowledging who he is. But then he says, yet, I do not forget your precepts. So God's word speaks a truth to his existence. That even the world, as they may see him as small and despise him because of who he is, he realizes that God's word has a power that surpasses anything that someone can think about themselves or what others may say about them. So do not underestimate the power of God's word in your life. David did not underestimate it, and Jesus did not underestimate it. Instead, both them, uh, both of them actually tapped into the very power of God and spoke truth to their situation. Verse 142 goes on to say, Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Again, we see this theme of righteousness coming out again here in this portion of Psalm 119. Uh, And it says, your righteousness is righteous forever. See, God is righteous, and that will never change. You know, we spoke to this last week, uh, the fact that that God is righteous and that our God does not change. Um, Psalm 19.9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So believer today, as you think about your situation, if you feel as though you are small and despised because of being a Christian in an uh, unchristian culture, do not fret, do not give them the credence, do not give them the permission or the authority to wield over you something that the word of God can speak truth to. 
because God's righteousness is righteous forever, and his word can speak powerfully into your life. We also notice here that God's law is true. He says, your law is true there in the second half of verse 142. That word true can be translated truth. You know, it is impossible for God to lie, and that will never change. So not only is God righteous, and that will never change, but it is also impossible for God to lie, and that will never change, because God is truth. And we know this from John fourteen six in relation to Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's John fourteen six. Well, back a few chapters in John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. So what Jesus is, so is God the Father. So if Jesus is the truth, then God the Father is also the truth. And we also see the third person in the Trinity and the Godhead coming forth as we look at John chapter 15, verse 26. Now, Jesus says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So right there in verse 26 of chapter 15, we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three in one as those that are the truth. And see, the thing is, as we look at our current day cultures, we look at the lives in which we live as we go to work and as we listen to the, the news and things of that sort, uh, we find out very quickly that today's mindset is that there is no such thing as genuine truth. You know, we, the truth has become subjective to the circumstance, it has become subjective to the individual. Uh, and when that's the case, then, you know, uh, is there really any truth? Well, that's convenient because that gives people the ability to live however they want without there being account- accountability because that truth belongs to them and them alone. You can embrace it or reject it. But the thing is, uh, what this does is it leads to people calling uh, that which is evil good and good evil, that which is dark uh, uh, light and that which is light dark, that which is bitter sweet and that which is sweet bitter. Uh, we read that in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. And see, the thing we, we must understand as believers today is that truth is not subjective. There is absolute truth because God himself is truth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they will speak truth into your life when you find yourselves digging into the word of God. Because God's word is righteous and true. Well, let's finish out the section in verses 143 and 144. He says in verse 143, Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Trouble and anguish have found me out. You know, Job 14.1 says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Well, what does that, that verse speak truth to? The fact that life is short. Our days are numbered. Uh, And it also speaks to the fact that life is full of trouble. And that trouble can be self-inflicted. And that trouble can come from without. But the fact is, that's the commentary on the human life. And particularly of those who are devoid of God. But when we take a look at our lives, you know, and as the psalmist is saying, trouble and anguish have found me out. 
Again, but we have this uh, thing that comes forth that, but your commandments are my delight. Listen to what Spurgeon said in his quote in relation to this section. He says, when we are most sorely afflicted and cannot see the reason for the dispensation, we may fall back upon this most sure and certain fact that God is righteous and his dealings with us are righteous too. It should be our glory to sing his bra- this brave confession when all things around us appear to suggest to the contrary. This is the richest adoration. See, when we are finding ourselves at that point of affliction, when we cannot see any reason for the, uh, the, uh, the circumstances that we find ourselves in, one of the things that we can fall back upon, one thing that we know is a sure foundation, is the fact that God is righteous and his dealings with us are righteous as well. And so uh, know this, that as we take a look at the word of God, we can say uh, with that old saying that the fact uh, the word of God is tried and true, that we need not worry about uh, God disappointing us in any way, But instead, we can find that as many times as we come back to the word of God, as many times as we apply the word of God, that as we look back into our past, as we look at our present, and as we even look to the future, we will find that the word of God is proven to work well. Even though trouble and anguish may have found out the psalmist, the God's commandments are his delight. So, If you want to light in a world where you find yourself in trouble and anguish, go to the word of God. And finally, verse 144. Um, There's a beautiful truth in verses 143 and 144. And I think this is an interesting thing to comment on, is the fact that you notice here in verse 143, he speaks the truth in relation to trouble and anguish. And then verse 144 follows. He says, your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. What does the psalmist not do? Because sometimes as you take a look at the word of God, sometimes it's good to see what doesn't get stated. And the fact is that the psalmist does not ask to have the trouble and anguish removed. And he could have. He could have said, you know what? I've had enough of this. You know, I don't want to be in trouble and anguish anymore. I'd rather just, you know, be able to enjoy life and, and everything just go right for a change. Uh, But the psalmist doesn't ask for it to be removed. What is of greater importance to him is what we read in the end of verse 144. Give me understanding that I may live. So in other words, don't remove me from the situation, but give me the ability to see this through your eyes, God. Give me the understanding of your eternal truth, your word which is righteous and true, so that it may speak truth into my life today. This understanding gives him what is necessary for him to live. Did you catch that? Give me understanding that I may live so that I can continue to do what you have called me to do. Because we need to understand that the word of God gives life. Let me read out of Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. So keeping God's commandment, keeping God's word, keeping God's truth, which is right, as part of our everyday life, will actually give us life and peace 
and will add all kinds of things to how we live this life. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, when it speaks in relation to the life, uh, you know, in relation to Christ, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life, which is Jesus, was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. See, the, the, the word of life, Jesus Christ himself, who, the, uh, as it says here in First John, they have seen, they have testified, they proclaim about eternal life in Jesus Christ so that they may have this fellowship together because what Jesus offers to us is not only eternal life for the life yet to come, but is also the one who can speak truth so that we can live the life here on earth now. And of course, we've quoted John fourteen six in relation to this section, uh, you know, uh, before actually just earlier in verse 142, where it said that I am the truth, well, what is the third thing in that verse that Jesus makes mention of? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, God's word is righteous forever because it can give you the understanding so that you may live. Not only live this life here, but also know what life is yet to come. So church family, as you find yourself finishing out this week, as you, you completely digest this second section here, you know, and as you find yourself maybe feeling the same way the psalmist did in relation to being, you know, overwhelmed by your circumstances, overwhelmed by um, how people perceive you, uh, don't forget God's word. You know, remember that God's word is truth. And remember that as you find yourself in that trouble and anguish, let God's word be your delight and that he would give you the understanding to under, to see it and to know how to apply it so that you may live this life. Let's bow in a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we just thank you for uh, this section uh, which speaks to a, a lot of uh, practicality in relation to life and how uh, we can feel when we find ourselves living in a culture that is contrary to your truth. Uh, and Lord, I pray for each one of the church family today that they would understand and see and experience uh, the overwhelming almighty power of your word in their lives today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, church family, and we look forward to worshiping with you uh, once again on Sunday. God bless you and have a great day.